Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 136 of the Quickie Podcast. Thanks for being here. I am your host, Dave Hopkins, and I got an Irish guy on the show today. My guest today is Ben Connolly. He's the founder and creative director at Angel and Anchor, based in Belfast. Ben also runs a side hustle called Final Final, a studio supply brand for designers and creatives. During this episode, we talk about how Ben was always creative, drawing, doing art as a child, and even though through all those years, creative and design was just calling his name, he pursued youth work instead. After doing a few years of youth work after his graduation, the funding for his position started to dry up. And he had a choice to make, go out and find another youth work position, or finally address this gut feeling, this calling to design that he had been feeling for so long. We also talk about the struggles that he faced and the challenges of getting out of youth work and into design career, starting that up, and the challenges of the ups and downs of dealing with the variability of work coming in, going out and finding work, where do you find the work, and all the struggles of all freelance startups, all studio startups, that same sort of deal. He tells us about his experience with it. He also tells us about a coffee and donut shop project that he is proud to have been a part of and why he's so proud of that project. I really enjoyed chatting with Ben and it's super cool that he's from Belfast because my guest from episode 24, Scarlett Aubrey, was a local Vancouver graphic designer, packed up all her stuff and headed out to Belfast and is now living there. So Scarlett, Ben, connect, create cool things. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get into this one. My guest, Ben Connolly. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Ben, thanks so much for being on the show today, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. Um, Are you ready for a Quickie? Always. I love it. Um, let's start with the tough stuff. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Okay. Uh, I am Ben Connolly. Um, I'm from Northern Ireland in the UK. Um, I run a branding studio uh, in Belfast and it's been running for five years. It's made up myself and some freelancers that I get on project by project. Um, I have a side hustle called Final Final where I make pins and prints and fobs for designers um, all around our memeable, funny, <laughs> cliche, like hitting clients and hitting the invoices and creative block, all those um, insider jokes. So that's what that brand's all about. Yeah, Final um, Final. I love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I already know what you mean. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <clears throat> That's awesome, man. Um, so that's been running for five years. You said you've been doing the studio thing. What were you doing before then? Um, before that, I was a youth worker mm-hmm. in uh, a area in Northern Ireland called Monkstown, which is uh, 
I suppose, a working class community, uh, marginalised, vulnerable young adults. Um, so I worked f- there for two years. And before that, I studied youth work for mm-hmm. three years as a degree. So um, before my studio, I didn't really do design, you know, in a professional sense. Um, but yeah, no, that's what I did beforehand. Got it. So then you slid into the studio thing. Been doing that for the last five years. Got it. Um, yeah. Ben, I want to dive back into your childhood a little bit. And I want to ask, you know, if you feel that you had a creative childhood that led you in this career path. Yeah. Um, yeah, whenever I was younger, I was always the kid in class who knew how to draw very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that that impressed other kids um, <laughs> very soon. So um, I just kept going with that. Uh, so, um, and then right through primary school and high school, I did art and that was always my best subject. I was very good at drawing, um, painting, portraits and stuff like that. It was mostly fine arts um, sort of thing. Um, when I was younger, I remember getting Christmas money and going to local was a big shop in the UK called PC World mm-hmm. and uh, bought a stack of CDRs um, that I would have used to rip illegally, like illegally rip music from LimeWire or Kazaa, whatever oh, it was. I remember that LimeWire back in the day. And, and with that stack of 50 CDs, there was a free copy of Paint Shop Pro. Um, I think uh, that's a Coral software. I can't remember. It was back in the day. I was probably around 11 or 12. I remember getting that. And from then on, I love making little posters for my room or um, pretend flyers and pretend uh, events and stuff like that. Just playing around with the clip art and the mm-hmm. word art. And it was probably terrible, you know. Um, it was all very basic, but I just loved experimenting with the software and doing that sort of thing. So from an early, early age, I was getting involved in design, even though I didn't know that's what it was, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, so... Yeah, I guess I would have had a creative childhood and adolescence. Um, and then I decided to do youth work as a degree later on. So because maybe I was sick of doing art and being that, maybe my direction was so <laughs> um, obvious that I maybe changed my mind. I don't know. Um, came back to it. But yeah, that's... It's always a journey, you know, to where we end up, right? There's always a, you know, a little bit of a winding road. Yes, I know. And you fight against the what you should be doing maybe um just to be different uh but we came back to it anyway so mm-hmm. so were your parents artists were they in creative fields at all or where did you sort of uh, start exploring well, that um my parents were not artistic at all um i think my mom maybe did, painted some ceramic ornaments on the side um but it wasn't uh I wouldn't have said that they were art, artsy parents or whatever, mm-hmm. <clears throat> or creative. Um, but they were very good at seeing that that was something I was interested in and then helping me in that, whether they knew the ins and outs of what a creative career might look like or whatever. You know, every Christmas and every birthday, I got new stationery um, and art materials. Um, so they were very good at helping that but um no they weren't necessarily created themselves got it then so you were always drawing as a kid parents weren't really too creative but definitely encouraged you 
um, yeah. you know, in that pursuit. And then did you go to art school at that point or did you, did you do any post-secondary art school or anything like that? No, after high school, I went straight into university and studied youth work. Mm-hmm. Um, but during the whole time I was always doing design on the side um, because uh, youth work demands or there's automatic needs for design in terms of promoting events for young people or promoting the centre or the youth club or drop-in. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always the person designing that, whether it was newsletters to help get funding for the centre or whatever. So I was, do, I was always doing stuff on the side um, and things for my church as well. Uh, so it wasn't like I was moving straight from high school to university doing something different and then to design. I was always um, involved in design or art in some shape or form, you know, um, whether that was professional or not. Mm-hmm. So then what do you think brought you back to doing design? I mean, you're always doing design, but you were still you know, heading in the youth worker direction. What do you yeah. think brought you back into design full-time? Um, it was funny. I, I had a friend um, and he started a design studio called Studio Stereo in Belfast. Um, and he was a bit older than me. And I think he saw himself in me starting out and getting involved in design. Um, he helped me move my uh, my camera from auto to manual setting and forced <laughs> me to do that. Um, and he forced me to use InDesign whenever I was making booklets and posters in Illustrator. Um, and at the time I hated it, but now it was great. Uh, so that was during the time I was a youth worker um, and he just encouraged me to just give it up <laughs> and uh, said, you know, you should really just be doing design. I think he just thought I was better at design or more passionate about it. Um, obviously, he is a bit of a bias as well, but he just <laughs> encouraged me to go all in on that rather than doing it on the side. Um, and then I always had the plans to maybe move from youth work. Um, as you become le- older, you become less relevant to young people. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. And you're still talking about references that they don't get at all. But um, that transition was forced on me a lot earlier whenever the funding for my position uh, ran out. Um, so that kind of forced me to either look at another youth work job or to decide to jump all in into graphic design and that's whenever I started the Angel Anchor. Got it. So that was what kicked it off when going full time. Uh-huh. So Ben, then I want to ask you, who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to and closely follow and what is it about them that you like? Um, because I didn't go to art college, I feel like I missed out on all the big design heroes like Vignelli and Bass and Beirut and whatever and um, I know all of them but I'm probably not as educated as others who've been to college so I probably look up to other designers on Instagram and through YouTube and, and things like that people like Aaron Draplin, Timothy Goodman, the Hood Sisters who whether they're doing design or you know straight illustration I like that their approach in that it was maybe less um classic pure graphic design um in terms of their process potentially and also the attitude in their work but also in their i guess their personality from what i could gather online you know Mm -hmm. they seem to be a bit 
more approachable and I'm not sure if they went to our college but it felt like they didn't fit into that classic um, mindset or whatever mm-hmm. um, so I kind of related to them in that way and then you know specifically to his sisters I feel like my work resonates with them where it's branding focused with a lean on illustration mm-hmm. um, so those are guys that I've looked up to and followed in the last, well, I suppose the last five years or before, you know. Mm. Got it. Yeah, definitely. I like how you said that, you know, where it's branding work, where, you know, with a lean on illustration. I like that. Like how you described that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because now we're not with Instagram and uh, well, all, the, all the social media platforms and a need for brands to have merch and all these different deliverables, then the weight of having one logo um, has maybe, there's maybe less pressure on having that one core logo, especially for local indie brands I may be working with. So having all the illustrations and um, and sales and marks and everything else that maybe comes out of that one logo is important. I think that those guys, like the sisters Draplin and others, do that really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ben, now I want to ask you about print. Um how have you utilized print in your design career? And do you have any stories about print projects that you've been a part of recently? Yeah. Um, print's always the one deliverable I keep wanting my clients to ask for, but it's, <laughs> they keep it's leaning more towards digital, um, which is a shame. But um, I recently started my own print project just because I wasn't getting as much with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, my friend and I, uh, Thomas Camlin, founded a creative community called Rally. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of that was to try and encourage creatives in the city that we live in to make shit happen in their work and in their life. Um, we were in cof- uh, having coffees and meetings with people with other creatives in the city and realized that everyone had a passion or a dream or a side hustle that they wanted to do but never got around to doing it so we wanted to create this brand to help encourage that so two of the main outputs of that brand uh, rally is um a ted talk style morning something like creative mornings mm-hmm. um but we kind of make ourselves and um, so there's coffee and somebody makes it or gives a, a talk that we call a pep talk um and it's just encouraged people to connect and network. And then the other one, which is the print I put, is called Graft. Okay. I don't know if Graft kind of translates across the water, but it's our slang word for working hard. Um, okay. So it's a quarterly zine um, that's made up of three features. And on the features, or in the features, we have an interview um, and some stories written by us or by other creatives doing interesting things. Um, and then the cool thing about that is we only print 150 copies or so, mm-hmm. which isn't a lot. And then we stock it in five coffee shops and concept stores around the country. That's cool. Uh, in small batches. So And the stock is rotate every time. So the whole point is to try and encourage people to experience prints and something physical without having to see a digital version online. Mm-hmm. So the, the zine, will, it, print, it gets printed once, and there's no digital version. Once it's printed, it'll never exist again. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's supposed to 
give it some value um, and encourage people to go out and get it because they, they know that it might run out and they'll never get to have another one, you know? Mm-hmm. So, that, so um, that's a cool print project um, that we've just done ourselves, you know? So the group that you started is called that you're a part of is called rally yeah. and you guys sort of host, yeah. um, you know, creative morning style events. That's part of it. Yeah. So it's the mornings and the zine. Very cool. I like that. So yeah. how many people do you think you um, are connecting with or, or are bringing into this group? Um, well, I guess there's different people every time. Uh, we've only, we've only been, I guess like two years or so. And it's only really now that we've uh, fallen on what we actually wanted to be. It took a while for us. Thomas, my friend and I, Thomas, just wanted to do something cool mm-hmm. together because we're friends and we're both in the creative industry. And it took a while to decide what we want to do and then fell on this. And now it's uh, at this point where we feel like it could go somewhere and establish something cool in the city. Um, so I don't know. There's a small, you know, the, as I said before, the Belfast city itself is super small compared to other capital cities. Mm-hmm. So the Korea community is even smaller again. So then what <laughs> we have is even smaller, you know. So uh, it's not a lot, but um, it's getting there, you know, gradually with every morning, more and more people come that we've seen before. That's cool. How often do you host events? So we do, in the past, we've done a morning every quarter and then we've done the zine in between that every quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then next year, we're maybe going to move towards one a month, hopefully. Cool. Um, so the momentum will help with that, you know, to get regular people coming back and forth. That's uh, what it's all about, man. Yeah. Very cool. You know, that's awesome. You know, encouraging to build a design community, um, <clears throat> you know, and foster the design community in a way that you could be mentored but also be a mentor for others right like that would be a big part of it as well yeah it's just an opportunity to get people in a room where they wouldn't usually and it's you know it could just be a small a small conversation that doesn't it's quite meaningless but it's easier to have a coffee with that person the next time mm-hmm. or to approach them to have a coffee and talk about things because you've already made that face-to-face contact Definitely. so um that's really the point of it, the talk is just a bonus, you know? Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, ben, the next few questions I have for you, take you down part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, learned some lessons. Okay. And <laughs> okay. I want to, I want to dabble in those stories and pull the lessons out of them. Um, okay. So what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? How, why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Um, I'm not sure if I have a specific challenging time, as much as it always feels challenging, um, <laughs> as a as someone who's self-employed, running their own studio, and um, why is this a one-person studio? It's um, you still have the pressure of that. Um, I guess the the hardest thing about that is the anxiety of never knowing when the work will finish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the early days, I would have got one project maybe a month, and that wasn't incredible and then maybe two uh and it gradually grew and maybe the i got less projects but they were bigger um but the horizon of when the work finished was pretty soon mm-hmm. um now it's a bit further away which is great and it gives me a bit of security 
but that's always the most challenging man you know um only a few weeks ago and and i've got regular work constantly um but only a few weeks ago i felt like i was having i was spending time in the studio for a few weeks not knowing what i was doing you know (laughs) there's no work coming in um what else can i do with my time um and then within a week or in in one week i got maybe three or four new big branding projects um and classically that's how you know that it happens ideally you want them spread out and you can manage these all perfectly um but it comes in one go and that's just something you just have to deal with because you can't say no to the work um especially when you're self-employed and you don't have a you know you're not you don't have a full salary in a studio because you're not a junior designer or senior designer, mm-hmm. whatever. So, yeah, there's no specific time I can think of, just the constant anxiety with <laughs> being, your, you know, I guess it's the same with freelancers as well, you know. Um, they're probably experiencing the same stuff, not knowing when the work's going to come or when it's going to dry up or um, having to do all the all-nighters and stuff because they're worried that the work might not come again, you know? Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Um, so how are you finding clients? Like, where do you go out and find new work? Or do you do a lot of sales? Do you reach out? Do you promote yourself? What are you doing for that? Um, most of it comes from the last clients before that. Um, a few years ago, I was able to directly look upstream and see where the work came from mm-hmm. maybe from my very first client and then two clients came from that and then so on you know like a big client tree um and now some of the the clients come in a bit more randomly they've seen my work on instagram or they've stumbled upon dribble or whatever mm-hmm. um but most of the work comes from other people and again as i said before the city um, I'm working in is so small, so c- there's less competition. Mm-hmm. There's a balance in that there's maybe less work as well, yep. um, but uh, there's only a few. There, there's design agencies who do a certain type of work, but then there's only a few past the the classic agency work that would do coffee shops, bands, um, indie brands, uh, as I could call them. You know, there's only a few of us who are doing that. So then people just have to pick between us. So thankfully, the work has just came in through that. And I haven't had to go out and look for it. Sometimes I'll do that um, if it's something interesting. Um, and I feel like I'm not getting that. You know, maybe a project I haven't done before. And I want to reach out. Um, and I'll maybe price um, effectively, you know, effectively to get that project. Um, but, but apart from that, I've been blessed in the last few years especially um to to not really have to go searching for it thankfully mm-hmm. yeah that's but that's all because you know in the first few years i was doing i was pretty much working 18 hours a day um working aside from my youth work job job to you know doing projects just for myself just to get work out there and mm-hmm. i think that that um first few years are really grinding and grafting um has helped you know later on now yeah that's huge you know when you're not getting the work that you want just creating the work you want just constantly creating and putting the work out there and it gets noticed and you get opportunities that had you not put that work out there 
you wouldn't have had. Yeah, and I always I always find that hard because I know that um, a lot of people in the design community online here mentoring and teaching other designers say that, but I always find that that's a struggle. The, the, what you come up with, you know, if you don't have a client and a brief, uh, how do you even create your own brief? You know, I find it hard enough to create something for other clients, let alone myself, whenever you have no budget, no constraints, mm-hmm. and you just, you know, you're the person who has to decide. Like, how do you decide on what you do, what looks good? You know, you're kind of in your own bubble. Um, so that's where it's challenging. Um, but and, and also the balance of putting something out there that you've done with no brief um, and hoping that it gets response, you know, it's received kindly. Um, but I guess that's the, the tension, you know. Yeah, you know, the saying is there's no such thing as bad publicity. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe there there's is a few but... celebrities out there you maybe argue against that but... <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um, alright Ben I want you to take us to a specific design or project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result what was that like how did that feel can you take us to that story Um, I don't have a specific well, I don't want to go into a specific project because I'll begin to name <laughs> names, and that's a dangerous game um, of uh, client horror stories. Most of the time, uh, those projects that don't go well is because clients don't like the concepts I've delivered, or they haven't paid when they should. You know, all those things, and that's always so challenging because you know I'm not. I'm not the projects I'm working on aren't massive budgets, you know, like big agencies. So if a client decides not to pay, it's almost not worth the hassle of going down the route of uh court you know, doing a small claims thing mm-hmm. or an appeal or a court case or whatever. So you just in in one way you just have to eat it and just accept that that's part of it, which is strange that, you know, I'm not sure there's any other profession or few who just have to accept it that way. Um, you know, in my, in a very instinctual, emotional state, I would love to just name and shame on Instagram. <laughs> like, here's the work I did for these guys. They haven't paid me. Um, but I just think that that would just put a bad taste um, in the mouth of future clients. You yeah. see that, you know, they no, could be so- that. So, so without naming any names, because definitely keep that to yourself, but in there's, I get the vibe that there's a project out there where you've done the work for and you haven't been paid for. In that situation that you're thinking of, what, what, what do you think is the cause of that? Is there, was there a moment earlier in the process that sort of raised a red flag that you didn't address? Yeah, I think... Um... You know, it's, it's happened a couple of times, and I think it's often because the project starts out. Um, so, or the relationship between the client and I, or us as a studio, um, is quite friendly and casual. Then I potentially, wrongly, and more naively, I'm not as uh, strict with a contract or as you know, I maybe don't de- define a process as well as I should um, because maybe that's done casually over the phone or, or by, by coffee. Now I'm, like, beginning to learn through that. It's, it's hard, man, because in one, I, 
contracts are important, obviously. Mm-hmm. But in one sense, it's almost I feel like some of the language in contracts and agreements begin to make the client portray that you don't trust the client is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying, you know, if you don't pay by this time, you know, there's interest or there's a fee or, mm-hmm. you know, that's almost like, or, or maybe if you don't like the concept, you still have to pay for them. Mm-hmm. That almost like suggests that they're not going to like the concepts. And why would you want to say, you know, say to the client, that's the possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always tricky. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a balance because I want to keep up the good relationship while still being professional. Um, and I think people come to me and other designers who aren't big agencies because it feels a bit more relational. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the tension is trying to stay professional, keep myself right so that we don't have the same issues as I have before, but also trying to stay personal and make it seem like we're working on something cool together you know i find like it's it's about finding that sweet spot in the contract where it's not so corporate that it's laying everything out like you had said you know if you don't pay by here then this happens and if you don't do this then this happens and you know where that sounds very corporate and almost negative around it whereas you got to find the way to create it so that you're protected but you also lay out in very, very clear language, even on brand language, if it's a casual vibe you're going for, what, yeah, the, sure. what the expectations of the clients are, which really just lays out the expectations of the working relationship, where there's a goal in mind right in the middle, and each party, the designer on one side and the client on the other side, need to work together to achieve the central goal. Yeah. So no, no I'm interesting about the balance of, you know, trying to protect it and also, you know, lay out the expectations, but not do it in a way that it generates fear in the client's mind. Yeah. And I'm, I'm beginning to, you know, I'm uh, five years in, like you begin to see the red flags, you know, what type of client, um, you know, what approach you can give to each client. It could be different. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, you know, if you know them a bit from, from some other community or circle or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or if they're totally new, you can decide where or how strict to go with the contract or how, what language to use with them, mm-hmm. whether they need a bit more explanation around what processes and whether they, you know, they don't. So um, that's just, you know, it's a constant, you know, it's a journey. We're still learning with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a few horror stories. Yeah. Don't, we all have them. Yeah, uh, that's true. Um, ben, I want to turn it around here for you. Tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, the one that just makes your heart sing. Um, there's a local coffee shop uh, in Belfast called Guilt Trip Coffee and Donuts. Nice. Um, and it was the, it's probably the first donut shop in Belfast outside nice. of, well, it wouldn't even have Krispy Kremes or Tim Hortons at the time. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, the story behind that is uh, one of my best friends, Ben Hamilton, was a barista in another coffee shop, and he was approached by two rugby players um, who played in Northern Ireland's only professional rugby club, uh, also rugby, um, and they wanted to invest in a coffee project. Mm-hmm. Um, so we approached him to be the manager, and he said that he would only 
get involved in a project that he was able to get me involved in the brand. Cool. So I've never, you know, I'd never, at that stage, I'd never worked with another coffee brand. And I was really into Speciality Coffee. Um, and that was always a project I wanted to do, whether it was just packaging or, you know, logo work or whatever. But it turned out that I ended up doing everything. Um, it was true a true design, you know, dream project. Um, I came up with the name, all the identity stuff. I helped with the interior design. Um, I designed. I ended up learning a three D software. I can't remember what it's called. Was it SketchUp or Sketch? Um, to design the furniture in the shop and design the coffee bar. You know, I was down to the measurements of the coffee bar, and the, you know, I've never done any interior design architectural stuff or whatever um but i ended up taking on everything way past the budget because i wanted to protect this dream project you know i didn't want mm-hmm. to do the name merch identity illustration social media photography messaging and then not be able to say oh i didn't do these bits and pieces i wanted to be able to say Every, everything you can touch in that shop guilt trip i've done pretty much that's um cool. so that's yeah, and it was really good to be able to do it with a friend as well. Um, so there was never any tension or anything like that. Um, you know, not having, we were both on the same page throughout it all. So that was a really cool project. And it's been the best project for getting other work um, because it's the it's probably the first one where someone can physically go inside it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not an Instagram account or an online store or a band it's something that people can experience all the time and mm-hmm. um, so they're experiencing my work and you know also i'm connected in some way but the better that shop does the better my work will look um and my work will look in a higher quality it would be given more value and mm-hmm. um, just because the business is doing well and um, so that's been such a dream project not just for the work itself but the all the other work that's came out of it, you know? Yep, definitely. Yeah. All right, Ben. Well, you've reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question. That's where I have a question for you from my last guest and you have the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like that. Um, so my last guest was Rob Johnston. He is also the host of the Meet the Creatives podcast. He's a designer, a photographer based out of New Jersey, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wanted to ask you, and it's a little bit morbid, but it's definitely on point, this question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I like to go dark. Let's go dark. Yep. All right. You're in prison. You're on death row. Last meal. What is it? Oh, um, oh, I'm a really plain eater, um, so I'm not sure. I would probably go for something like a dessert rather than a meal. Um, there's, a, there's a thing in the UK called rice pudding. Yep. Uh, so it's like a school dinner type dessert, but uh, it's one of my favorites. So I'd probably go for that. If you know, I'm, classic if I'm rice spot. pudding. You know, yeah. All right. Keep it classic. All right. Um, ben, what is your question for my next guest? Um, because I have that side hustle, final, final, I thought a, qu- a good question would be if they had spare time and budget, 
what side hustle or passion project would they love to start? I like it. If they have the time, that's the key. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And the budget. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I will ask that question of the next guest. Ben, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. I really appreciate your Thanks time. And uh, it's about 7 o'clock or so your time probably. Yes. Perfect. Well, I'll let you off and you go uh, find your way home. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate your time. And you know the deal. I'll be back tomorrow. See you then.